righty, folks. Welcome back to the Mushing Alaska podcast. I'm your host, Brendan. And uh, unfortunately, I'm only introducing myself for this one. I'll explain that and we'll kind of keep this intro on the shorter side, especially compared to what Sean and I normally do. For this episode with Connor McMahon and with the intro as well, we uh, unfortunately, we had some issues on the recording side of things. And uh, I was able to save our interview with Connor, uh, and I'll kind of talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But I wasn't able to save the intro with Sean. It was, it was just really bad, and you know I don't want to get lost in that. But uh, that being said, in an effort to get this episode out to you guys as quickly as possible, Sean's literally in the process of coming to Atlanta right now. He's going to be hanging out with the family for about ten days, which we're looking forward to. So, I figure you know what? Let me just hop on here. Let me do my best to kind of recreate our intro. I recognize that you guys probably don't listen to this this podcast for me whatsoever. My role more is to ask certain questions, uh, maybe get certain information out of folks, whether it's Sean, whether it's the guest. But um, I don't necessarily feel like I'm the uh, the most knowledgeable in terms of the mushing scene. So I'll do my best to kind of recreate this and kind of summarize a little bit of what Sean said. Again, we've already done this intro together, but unfortunately it didn't record as we were hoping so with that being said we had a couple of news and highlights if you will and unfortunately there were a couple of uh more on the sad side or on the negative side of of the news and well there was the passing of a musher named leandre dementiev and i hope that is how how his name is said as a young musher um I think it was either the Cusco or the, uh, or it was one of the, it was that or another race that had made the post about his passing and don't know, don't know too much information. I know that there was some sort of an accident, um, but don't know any of the details behind that. And so I don't really want to speculate on it, but we, we are attempting to do our best at bringing news to those who listen to us. And so it was something that we at least wanted to, to bring up. And, you know, if more information becomes available, I'm sure it's something that we can discuss, but at least wanted to make sure that it's brought up. The next thing that was kind of, uh, you know, kind of on the, the more sad or negative side or unfortunate was uh and this is probably a little bit more widely known and that was the incident uh on the denali highway involving dallas cv's team so he's out there doing a series with he was out there he's got two handlers uh isaac tiford who's also a rookie running the adira this year and josiah i forget his last name right now but nonetheless they're out there running three different teams and yeah, they they got uh, Josiah's team was hit and killed multiple dogs. Um, and so, you know, Sean and I kind of talked a little bit more about that. He has a lot more details with the names and such. I know that Oreo passed and Olaf passed. Um, and those are dogs that Sean has firsthand experience with, as well as other dogs that were injured or still recovering um there were several dogs that were going to have to be amputated whether it was fully 
you know, up to up to their uh, the joint or maybe they might have like partial use of some of their legs. It is such an unfortunate incident. One thing that I asked Sean was I asked him about his experience on the Denali Highway, which he has spent countless runs and hours on that highway. And it wasn't a straightaway. So it wasn't like the person was coming and you could see it from from far away. Um, what Sean said is that Josiah had about a three count. And from the moment he saw the snow machiners to being impacted and, you know, the dogs were impacted. Josiah also got hit. He flew off. Um, you know, luckily he's, he's not got from my knowledge, not got too, too many, uh, bad injuries. So he should be okay. But yeah, I mean, just what a horrific incident and something that could be completely avoided. Um, you know, I think the message there is just to be more careful, you know, not drinking, not driving. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to just anyone that is involved in an accident like that. It's it's a freak accident. We've seen other stories with it. You know, Sean talked about with the Ali King or Jeff King and Ali Zirkle incident. Uh, I think that was maybe 2016. Um, you know, and it's unfortunate. It's something that can totally be avoided. And that's one thing that Sean also made clear. It's not, it's not like this highway is small. It's, it's pretty wide. Um, the dogs were unusually on the far furthest right side of this as they could get. So the fact that the musher coming at them was all the way would have been on all the way on their left side. Just, uh, it's a frustrating thing. And so I don't want to talk too much about it without Sean. Um, but it's certainly something that I wanted to bring up again. I'm just trying to do my part here to do some justice to some things that we discussed. The last thing we discussed was more on the positive side, and that was more musher signups for the Iditarod. We had the 34th, 35th, and 36th signups. And that is, uh, I think that's largely due in part to the fact that the uh, November 30th cutoff is is coming up. And then actually, as I'm recording this now, just the intro, not the interview with Connor, it is the 30th. And so the significance of that is it's 4,000. The cost of the race is $4,000 to sign up uh, by the 30th, by today. And then after that, it goes up to 8,000. And so who knows, you know, I'm recording this uh, almost at uh, in the 11 o'clock hour on the East Coast. So it's bright and early there in Alaska. And maybe by the end of the day, there might be another sign up or two. I know Sean and I had kind of discussed in our previous episodes uh, some possibilities of, of some names that we might see. So the names that we had were Paige Drobny and, you know, Sean, Sean has firsthand experience with, with uh, Paige and has great things to say about her perennial name in the mushing scene. So it's great to see someone uh, that is as well loved and, and well known as her sign up for the race. We're, we're excited to root her on. The next was uh, Sean Williams, and this is his third at his, his third race, and he's running it as a rookie. And so his 
I'll I'll do my best to do this justice. I believe it's 20. He signed up, unfortunately, right, literally right before the race started, his mother passed. And so he did not uh, end up starting that race. And um, so obviously, you know, like you got to do what you got to do and totally understand that decision. The, I believe he also signed up in 21 and in 21, he, uh, he, my understanding is that he did the race, but unfortunately he had to scratch. Um, and I don't know the details behind that. That's usually the part where Sean comes in. And so this is his third, third run uh, his third attempt at it. And we're excited to root him on. I think part of, uh, of his story that Sean, uh, Sean, my my brother, Sean, not Sean Williams. Sean is close to Matt Paveglio, um, and that's a rookie from or his rookie run in the Iditarod was last year. Um, and so I know that Matt Paveglio is working with Sean Williams. They're training their teams together. Um, or I don't know if I have that right. I think it's Sean's team that matt is helped train or i don't know exactly their setup but nonetheless they're working together and so naturally we're we root everyone on that we have on this podcast there's not a reason to not to not want everyone to succeed it's what you know makes it fun makes it entertaining it's what's best for the sport as well so um so yeah and then the last uh person was josh mcneil and uh i know sean has had a couple run-ins with him along uh over the years and and had uh some fun stories there so um i think that you know those those are some names that we also might try to attempt to get on the show down the road as well so um so yeah so those are the kind of uh, some of the highlights that sean and i discussed um and then yeah i'll just kind of introduce this this interview with Connor McMahon. Again, he is a rookie out of Canada. He's, I believe it's in Whitehorse or maybe about an hour south of Whitehorse. Uh, he lives remotely off the grid. One thing that kind of stood out to me is he he talked about uh he has, and Sean jokes about it in the intro. This podcast brought to you by Elon Musk. He has Starlink and um he talks about the ability of just turning it on and off. So it's like, ah, he talks like, oh, yeah, I just turn it off. But then like if I go too long and I'm like, oh, maybe I need to check some emails or do this, that and the other. It's just funny to kind of hear him say like, yeah, and then I turn it on. But then if I get down, like stuck in the worm, go down the hole too much or whatever, um, then I just turn it off. And that's a nice thing, too. So the thing that Sean and I discussed that was a funny thing that stood out to Sean was uh he talks about, you know, the part of the season of training before you are on the sled. So everyone's on their like their side by side or their four wheelers or whatever, whatever you have. Right. And, you know, it sounds like Connor's kind of balling on a budget. Right. He's completely doing this by himself, which is kudos to him. I had to go off to him there, but he doesn't have the type of budget to afford a talks about something that's $3,000, something that's $12,000. Instead, he has a small, tiny ass truck that's like five feet tall, you know, and uh, the transmission's busted, bought it for about 300 bucks. And with that, he 
uh, it gets out of first and second gear, which is all you need. And it's just hilarious because <laughs> it's like, I've got heat, I've got music, I've got a windshield, I've got wipers. Why would you pay all that money to not have a windshield? You know, so it just was kind of funny and um, super nice guy. Great listen. And uh, we're, we're rooting him on, like I said, just as we are everyone else. So I hope you guys enjoy. And uh, we'll have Sean back for the intro for the next one. Don't you guys worry. But thanks and enjoy. All righty, Connor. Welcome to the Mushing Alaska podcast. Thank you for joining us. How you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. How about you guys? Just drinking coffee, you know, admiring your painting of what appears to be British Columbia mountains behind you, you know, I doing paint, good. I painted that. Oh, nice, dude. Nice. No, I didn't. I'm not oh, sure. you got me. I think it was here when I got here. But, yeah. <laughs> okay, nice. Is this, so we've, we've talked, uh, we talked before and we had really shitty connection now we have slightly less shitty connection. This podcast is brought to you by Elon Musk. Anyways, <laughs> Connor's got he's got, you know, the the Elon Musk internet, which I believe is called Starlink. Yeah. This is pretty yeah. amazing. It's you it's know? nice to have. We don't even have cell service here, so to be able to Yeah. A little, <laughs> a little bit of a hassle to get it going sometimes, but Yeah. That's it's it's a I can imagine that's a huge game changer and I feel like you might be thinking initially like oh you know I was more like connected with my surroundings and stuff without the internet and now I got this distraction. But well, because it turns on and off, so it's really easy, right? Like just turn it off and then you know oh he started going to get that little panic inside, like oh I wonder if there's any emails. Turn it on and then. It doesn't work. Nice. You can see the emails. You forget to respond to them. And then three weeks later, you're finally, oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. That's so, a different lifestyle. Is this your, do you own this uh, property and cabin? No, no, no. Oh, yeah. I don't own nothing. But you don't own anything. Chuck you have zero things. Not a single Chuck thing. and a dog team. That's it. Okay. <laughs> nice. Um, Heck yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, we talked about like your origin story last time, but it was it was tough to kind of make get it all figured out with the connection issues you were having. So why don't we just kind of start from ground zero and like you know you worked for Aaron Peck, uh, the you know a perennial top ten, top twenty musher, and you know he's also super Canadian. Uh, you guys are so Canadian, it's awesome. Uh, and I. Um, and then from there, just kind of take me from your process to now you have your team in the Iditarod, you know, you ran a couple of qualifiers with Aaron. Yeah. So yeah, Aaron got me hooked, got me started on it. And I kind of had like a puppy team in the works while I was with Aaron after the first year, I ended up with this, uh, team of puppies from Cody Lee. Uh, he was another fishing guide. We worked at the same lodges, always around each other and he's like man i want to fish more and i'm like i want to fish less and do more dog stuff so we just kind of yeah he just kind of passed the torch on to me there and i was like yeah 17 or 18 pups i had and yeah i mean like it was nice because 
being able to work with Aaron and see the guidance and, you know, it wasn't that much of a stress. I come from like a guard dog background, bite work dog. So the bigger, the kennel size was never anything. And then we came up here to the Yukon and yeah, things have just been awesome ever since. Like the neighbors you got here and the trails and yeah, I can't see. Yeah. This, this is the place to be. This is, this is the uh, end of the travel story. I think for me and the team. Right on. That's yeah. That, go ahead, Brennan. I was going to say, that's awesome. I was just kind of curious, uh, where are you from originally? I grew up, I was born and raised in southern Ontario, and then in Alberta for my early 20s, and then Northwest Territories. From there, gotcha. and then, like, Northwest Territories where I started working with the dogs. Like, for real, Aaron brought me out on a team, and was able to retire my old Malamute after a couple of years, and, you know... Yeah, that's where it all started was in like Yellowknife area. So just nice and flat and big, big, big lakes, Great Slave Lakes right there. So mushing on that. And I, I have a few friends that have uh, participated in a sled dog race in Yellowknife. Have you been around that event? Uh, yeah, there's a couple up there. Which one? Uh, I don't know. What's like, is what's like, I guess their mainstream, you know, events of the winter. Well, the big popular one right now that's really taking off is the underdog 100. Okay. It's uh it's a really cool race. It's on great slave Lake. Yeah. Right on. Uh, I would love, to, I would love it, what, what do you love about it? I, I don't know. I, I, I've never, I've never done it. I'm not, I'm not allowed to do that race actually. So maybe one day if uh, Marcel, Let's me in there. I'll come over and do it. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, who's Marcel? What? Oh, Marcel Martin. He's the one that uh, runs it there. And me and one of the sponsors. I uh, used to work for one of the sponsors, and we have a little bit of a history. So. Gotcha. Yeah, you know, you know. Sometimes there's always one thing I've never learned about being in the mushing world is there's always. Somebody it's a small world. who's got something with somebody. Yeah. And yeah. someone, like, you know, it's like, and I'm just trying, dude, me and Brendan are just here. We just want to talk about dogs and sled dogs wanna, and mushrooms. We just want to meet the guys. We want to hear some stories, man. man. That's it. Yeah. We don't want to get involved in the politics. But or maybe the drama. we're in it. You know, maybe we're in it. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I know. it's yeah. a fun race. It looks like a super cool time. And like, yeah, me and the race of Marcel, we're, we're good and everything. And just, yeah, to, the one sponsor doesn't uh, want me over there. He owes the banquet and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Hey, so I wanted to ask, like, how did you and Aaron Pet cross paths? Was it something where you were interested in uh, learning and you you were seeking him out, or did it kind of happen by chance? No, I was up on uh, Anoda Island on Great Slave Lake. I was guiding. Uh and yeah, we had a fishing tournament derby kind of thing at the end of the year. And Aaron and his wife came in as guests and they were like, oh yeah, this is Aaron. He's dog musher. He's done the idea. I was like, oh, that's, that's really cool. Didn't really get much of a chance to talk to him. He had another guide. And then I think he came back a little bit later on because he had a deal going with the owner to do some tours out of there. And then we got to meet later. And uh, yeah, my friend Sam... I had to talk him and uh, my other boss into it, but he's like, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, you, you can come work with us this winter. And I was like, all right, all right. 
came and then yeah took me on a run and that was that nice nice and you were were you hooked like was your was your intention to like start running races or potentially look at the quest or the Iditarod was that like instant or no not at all uh like, I was hooked from, like, my time with my Malamute, right? Like, I just, I love being out there on the dog. And we were just out ice fishing, right? That's, like, how I started mushing was just getting my big Malamute to pull me and my hut around ice fishing. And I was like, oh, this is awesome, yeah. These, these sled dogs are great. You know, you just keep them happy and they eat and you train them a left and a right and they run straight. And this is great. And then. What got me hooked on the racing was the Caledonia Classic when Aaron brought me there because, I don't know, I've never been a competitive person or, like, you know, being in, like, the spotlight or nothing like that. And I thought that, you know, racing was going to be, like, kind of like that, like, back into the sports world. And then we went out. Uh, and, yeah, the first checkpoint was so awesome, you know. Jerry Joinson and Aaron and I forget who else was there, but we were just kind of sitting around looking at the dogs, talking about dogs, and I was like, Wait, we got like two or three more checkpoints. Like this, this is just great. Look at all these dog teams out here, and yeah, that's what really got me. It was like seeing the other dog teams on the trail, and yeah, that's what hooked me on the racing was the uh, yeah the trail time, right? Like being out there with other teams, seeing other teams, and yeah, I mean that's like something that I think that like a lot of people that are getting into mushing, and they're just like, I just like being out there with the dogs, and you know, I don't really want to race. It's like. Well, the races aren't like they're not really races if you don't want them to be. Like, no, if you don't like, want it. Yeah, like I, I have that conversation with some rack mushers and stuff. Sometimes they're like, "Yeah, you know, I just want to do like expeditions with my dogs." And it's like, okay, well, when was the last time you had like a three hundred mile trail that you could go on an expedition on? Like, it's, it's right there, right? It's the cheapest way that you're going to go and get to do some grand adventure with your dogs. And the safest way, and you're going to have, you know, veterinarians and a marked trail and resupply points. And it's like, all right, you don't have to, like, and dog people to yeah. enjoy it with, right? Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, nah, I don't really be interested in racing. It's like, I've never really actually raced. I mean, I've never been in a race and actually, like, tried to be competitive. You know, I'm just, like, out there, like, this is sick, dude. Look at all these people around. And I find, I'm, like, like go-karts or, like, you know, maybe, like, sprint racing. Like, that is really, like, racing, right? Like, you know, like, your fast goggles on and stuff. But, like. <laughs> we can put goggles on still. But yeah, the, okay. reality, <laughs> the reality is. Yeah, aerodynamic. There's not. Yeah, it's really not that. uh like you know you don't you only racing if you want to be racing and that's almost like a misnomer to call a sled dog race a race for us for most of the people in these events you know you're just trying to get your have fun with your team out on the trail and yeah sure there is like a little bit of a okay maybe you don't want to start writing your memoir on the trail yet you know maybe you should maybe you know move it along a little bit faster than that but yeah so so i'm curious about you said security dogs yeah, yeah. That's, Let's go down that rabbit hole real quick. What, what's okay. going on? How, yeah, what kind of dogs were those? Like German Shepherds or something or what? Uh, a lot of Belgian Malois, German Shepherds, a little bit of like Rottweiler, Doberman, King Corso, but mostly Belgian Malois and German Shepherds. So probably from the time I was like 15, 16, I 
somehow ended up into that and started doing that. And then, yeah, when I kind of left Ontario, I kind of got away and got out of that. It was, uh, that's a really interesting hardcore world as well, right? So that was. Yeah, were you wearing like the full body suit where they attack you? Yeah, yeah. Tra- training? Decoy work and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Is so it's like, kind of funny when like dude. my huskies fight or get into it. It's, you guys are, that was really cute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, dude. I imagine those dogs are literally trained to attack criminals, right? Yeah. You know, the, yeah. But they're these, the exact these... same as like the huskies, right? Like they're not, you know, they're not like thugs or anything like that they're just that's just their job right like it's, right yeah yeah that makes sense and uh yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't want to be on the wrong end of one of those dogs but that's yeah. funny yeah i mean I, for me like you know I, I uh my first winter working with dogs was like i was so intimidated like you know like with sled dogs and like fighting like dude oftentimes they just kind of like look like they're fighting and sound like they're fighting yeah, they're really, really actually high energy. Yeah, it's, it's just, a really high energy, and well, especially if you don't know the dynamics of a yard, right? Like, right? It's like, oh, those two are brothers, and that's what they've done since they've been like two months old, right? Like, they're good. It's not going anywhere, right? But you right. don't know that, and like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember I had two brothers, Ben and Jerry, and they always, every time we went on the run, you know, right at the beginning, they're literally both their mouths wide open, like, yeah. You know, pretty much teeth are touching. Ah, you know, and you're like, it's a handsome you know, girl's trap shot, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So you know, and then there's like other dogs, like and like, all right, if they're fighting, I gotta be a little bit more on it. You know, yeah, but, and it's just so much more subtle. Like you wouldn't see it coming. It's just maybe like a little sideways glance at each other, and yeah, right, right. Yeah. And so that's you know that's funny though that you you're like, oh yeah, these guys, these little tiny tiffs and. And 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 whatever are, are nothing compared to the security yeah. dog lifestyle. Yeah, it was a pretty uh, yeah, it was a pretty intense uh, introduction to dogs. And how I long imagine. were you doing that for? Uh, on and off for a number of years. Yeah, gotcha. And and so now you have you own your own dog team, correct? Yep. And but you don't the, you're you're squatting on the you're renting the property kind of yeah, whatever yeah, something yeah. This, in there. I'm actually renting yeah I'm actually renting this place. This is my first time renting in a long while. So right on. Feels feels nice actually. You know, not like I actually own it, but it's like yeah, I'm supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's, it, yeah. I mean, as a renter, you know, me and you, we don't have to. We can just start tearing shit apart inside of our houses. Whereas Brendan. As a homeowner, and that's kind of a bummer being a homeowner, homeowner yeah, right? Yeah. You know, you got to deal with the Water depreciation of your uh, house. Yeah. Like, jeez, <laughs> that must be a bummer. I don't have, I don't, I can't just like pick up the phone and be like, hey, uh, so right now, I'm moving out. No, 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 I can't oh. be like, hey, uh, there's a hole in the ceiling. Um, can you come fix it? No, instead, I have to take care of it myself. It's you, well, know, you can do that when you're renting. I mean. Uh, all right i got i got a phone call after this yeah yeah you, you call, you call the owner and just say how badly like can i 
tear this place apart, you know? Yeah, so. <laughs> no, it's a pretty sweet little uh, property I'm on here. There's a bunch of mushers around and retired mushers and stuff living here. So it's. Yeah, I just saw like an, another car crust musher shine up for the 450. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know that, like, I mean, I don't know. I just, I'm meeting you right now, kind of, and I don't really know that whole Yukon scene very well. It's a but, pretty sweet little corner, right? Like Michelle Phillips right there. Sebastian Snool has a firewood keeping house right around the corner. Uh, Hans Gottlieb's right here. William Cleeton, Jerry Willemeister's around. Like there's Brian Wilmhurst is in Dawson. Like there's a good number of mushers around this area. So it's kind of been a nice little spot to sit and hang out. There's lots of good neighbors. And it's, I'm sure you guys are all helping each other out. And that's like, I mean, especially for someone's, you know, if you just got your team and you're, if you're, if you're out there alone and there's no neighbors. I, I couldn't do it without them. I couldn't do it without them. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, they're out there community. maintaining the trail and helping you out with maybe where to go and when to go. And, and yeah, you know, all kinds of great information. I'm sure a lot of those guys have been there for not more than a couple of years. And oh, yeah everything there is to know about how to, how to thrive, yeah, not just survive, but how to thrive in the winter. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's been as easy as it could possibly be, I believe for having a dog team. So when it comes to, you said that they're your dogs, are you doing all the training by yourself? Do you have any help? I uh, know I do all the training miles and everything like that by myself. Uh, this year I actually have someone that's, uh, probably going to start helping me out running the dogs and training so just because i got 22 like race dogs now so it's been a lot for the last few years like running two teams like last year i had a lot of dogs in the kennel they all weren't mine but i was watching some dogs it's a lot running more than one team so this year i'm gonna try i'm gonna try it was somebody else but yeah it's been me. I've had my good buddy, Andy, like my childhood buddies helped me on all the race and stuff. So like getting my drop bags together, he always drives my dog truck. Like, so that's always been there. And then on like the day to day stuff, this is all I do. So I don't really, I can't justify having a, like a full time handler, right? Like I don't have stuff for them to do. Like, <laughs> right. I only scoop the yard so many times. Yeah. 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 I guess. So then you, and then you work, like your income is in the summer, I guess. Yeah. I just try to make as much money as I can in the summer. And, you know, if I run out of money in the winter, do some bootleg tours and get the cash flow back up. Right on. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's probably nice getting, getting some help when it gets to, you know, peak training and, and getting all your dog food and dog gear and human gear lined up. Ready yeah. to go ahead. Uh, so I just wanted to ask you to kind of talk a little bit about like you, we kind of hit a little bit, you know, you met Aaron and Sully, but surely you kind of got introduced into the, the, the race scene, if you will. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit maybe about your qualifiers and kind of like when you were like, Hey, maybe I should try to do that dinner out of the quest or something. Yeah, so like as soon as I got hooked in racing, it was kind of like right away I wanted to do like the biggest and the longest one that you can do, right? So it was automatically like Quest and I did a rod. And then 
initially the goal is the quest because it was like seemed like a lot just closer and you know less expensive and you know right there and in the Yukon and I was like, yeah, all right. But then, you know, the thousand mile went away. So we just quickly switched and sweet. We got to do the Iditarod first. Right. So yeah, then we went right to that, but the qualifiers took quite a bit. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It just, it just felt like the quest was a lot more achievable, closer. It's still on both sides of the border, but, uh, but then, yeah, with the thousand mile going away, it was just, great yeah let's just hop right into the Iditarod and go and do that and uh yeah I had the right sponsors this year Klondike Cream and Candy just sent me over there with the entry fees so Klondike is sponsoring you how did you pull this off Klondike Cream and Candy it's the ice cream store in Dawson City it's not the Klondike it's not the Klondike no yeah no. yeah no it's yeah yeah it's Klondike Cream and Candy yeah, Can we come story. up with like a knockoff of their song? Like, what would you do? We're <laughs> a Klondike bar. <laughs> but it has to be like slightly different so that you're not copyright infringing. They, got, they got Dilly Pops, man. They're better than Dilly a Klondike bar. What would you yeah. do yeah. for a Dilly Pop? You know, something like that. Dilly <laughs> Pops. There we nice. go. Sorry. <laughs> we got lost there for a yeah, second. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, the idea uh, on like. Every race that you've ever done, I'm guessing, has had a, been a handler race, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I remember, like, Riley Dyke, he, you know, I'm sure you met him at the sign-up or whatever, and he was like, and I didn't really think about it, like, while I was in the race. I was like, yeah, why do I feel, like, so incredibly alone right now? I mean, I'm with my dogs and stuff, but then I'm like halfway through and he's like, yeah, yeah, it's true. Like, you don't like, once you leave the start line, you don't really like see anyone that you know for like yeah, the whole time. Yeah. And it's like, it's pretty sick when you get to uh -huh. the checkpoint. Like, I don't know. When I ran the Copper Basin, like my mom visited from Atlanta. She's like at the checkpoint. I'm like, hey, mom. I'm like, yeah. that's all I do is just say hi. And then I don't really talk to them for more than a minute or two because I got to go to sleep. But yeah. It would just it, be the, the mental of it, right? Yeah, it's just nice to see a face that's familiar. Yeah. But you know, you know, you might you'll see some familiar faces certainly, but you know, they're fewer and far between. Yeah, so that that'll be everyone, especially because it's been like one of my childhood best buddies that's always been there, right? So like, it's sometimes like coming yeah. back from around, it's like, oh no, I don't really want to see Andy right now. You know, I I know I messed <laughs> up, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's but funny. it's like real nice too to have him there right because you know he knows me better than i think anybody right so you can just see on my face where i'm actually at and yeah so nice uh, it'll be yeah that's awesome man yeah so you so, go ahead brennan well we gotta go we gotta go down the whole uh again this is a little bit of up your without without phone service all that money on you like geez man just uh, uh, sharing with the listeners um yeah so yeah you if if i recall you said that you kind of like came over to alaska like on a certain type of flight or something or what what were you doing there yeah i was like a it was like a chartered flight for like one of the cruise ships there so i got onto that flight 
got over to Fairbanks. Uh, I think I landed like the middle of the day and Laura was working or he was tied up with something till later on. Like he said six or six thirty maybe. And it's like, well, just like, I'll pick you up at the Oasis. It's like, I think it's like one of the closest bars or restaurants there to the airport. So I just walked around for a couple hours in Fairbanks <laughs> through these parks. Like, I'll go check out some parks, but like I had a backpack full of, cash to go sign up for the Iditarod because Canada and then we you know you get your tips and American money and stuff like that so everybody threw in all this American money into this backpack and like it was all like ones and fives like I went to sign up like ones and fives and tens there's a couple twenties in there and you get some twenties for tips sometimes but yeah it was mostly ones and fives and tens and stuff so it was like a full backpack of money and that's all I had with me. And I was walking around. I was like, oh, man, this, you know, all right, I think I'll head over to the Oasis. And then Laurel must have come when I was on a bathroom break or somehow we missed each other. And then I was sitting there. And my phone doesn't work because I'm in Alaska and that's America. And it just, yeah, it wasn't working. So I was sitting there. I was like 1230 at night. I'm like, oh, no, like I'm in a... I'm in a bad place, like not a bad place. Like Fairbanks is great, right? But like, I'm like, I need to be in Anchorage. <laughs> and so I was trying to make a plan B there. And then all of a sudden I just, oh, Laura with big hands there on my back. He's like, there's my Canadian. Come on, bud. Let's go. Pops me in this new hall. And I'm like, oh, buddy. <laughs> so good to see you. That's great, man. <laughs> Next morning I wake up. We're at the sign up for the Iditarod. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that had to be such a whirlwind of like just emotions. Just like you're coming here, you're trying to sign up. <laughs> right. And cause I wasn't planning on going to sign up or anything like that. It was just Brian Wilmhurst, right? One of my sponsors, he owns cream, uh, Klondike cream and candy. He's just like, ready to go to sign up. I'm like, what? Like, no, that's in Alaska, man. He's like, yeah, yeah you're getting all the gold gone. Okay, here I am. I'm sitting always as the next day. Like, uh, do I hitchhike to Anchorage? Like, how am I going to get there? Yeah. You could have maybe. We pulled yeah, yeah. pull it off. That's amazing. That's gonna that's gonna be an all time story for the rest of your life. You know, it's a good thing Brian made you do that. And, yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, pretty true. How <laughs> is the like? I don't know. You got a backpack full of cash. Like, what, when you like gave the money to the Iditarod. Does, was it like you just slapped a bag on the table like here it is? <laughs> no, I was like- <laughs> about it, right? Because I had to do all the paperwork and stuff too. So I was like, oh man, this is going to be taking me forever. <laughs> they probably can't even read it. I got to count all these ones in front of them. <laughs> I like my shoes off and but no. <laughs> yeah, we. Yeah, it was a little sheepish about it. I was like, man, I don't want to be accused of like sort of drug dealer or something having all this cash and Canadian guys need to tip money. <laughs> this is this is clean money, clean money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I'm sure that uh you made quite the impression with your your bag of money and, and your all nighter with Laura and you know yeah, among, was... in the I did ride community people are gonna be uh excited to see you here in March, I think. Yeah, it's looking forward yeah, to we... it. We've had like a few, we've asked in the past, we'll be like, you know, who, who is interested in, 
who do you want us to interview next? And like your name has come up a few different times from a few different people. So um, clearly you must have made an impression. I was curious if there was any other fun stories or anything about sign up uh, or like a musher that you met that you were like, oh, that was kind of nice to meet them or just anything along those lines. Oh, uh, yeah, it was actually like, the road trip with Laura was super cool. It was really cool to connect with him. And like, it seems like, uh, I don't know, we kind of have the same outlook on dogs and running and stuff like that and like the same style of dogs. So that uh, was really interesting to meet him. And like, you know, we we're both both rookie year, right? So it was kind of like, yeah. you know, we went through that sign up thing together. So it was like the first step. <laughs> it was like, all right, like that was fun, man. Let's Let's see what else there is. <laughs> Nice. nice. Yeah. yeah, the rookie the rookie meeting's coming up soon, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. I got to make my way over to Anchorage, so. So you got to do it in person? Yeah, we got to do it in yeah, person. I was looking at that. Let the eventful just smooth run over, quick quick travel time back, get it out of the way, you know, bring my right notebook, on. get all get all the information in the brain I need to. Yeah, yeah. I might, I, uh, the, I only went to one. I did the two races. Yeah, yeah. But the, for the first one was a last minute fill in, and and the second one they still weren't doing it in person. So I was like fresh off a run on the Denali Highway, and you know, just jump not, on. The I hadn't slept much, and you know, Al Ishans is like giving me his sage wisdom, and I was like, dude, I was just like, <laughs> it, you know, there wasn't a How power point or nothing. How dude, long I was, was free. it? It was like co- at least a couple hours, you know. Okay, yeah, I was, it was like, like at least two hours after a run. Yeah, and I was, I was definitely, and I for some reason, like I don't know what I was thinking. Like I just should have turned the camera off, but I had like the camera on me, and I'm just like <laughs> nodding off. And Al was like, "Yo, dude, like, can you just stay awake, man?" <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll turn the camera off." My bad, you know. <laughs> That was funny. Note to well, self, Connor: Don't fall asleep like Sean. Right? Yeah, That's well, why it's in person now. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, it'll be a little more engaging in person. Uh, you know, and not, not a knock to Al. Like it was good, good information, good beta. You know. I yeah, but after a run, right? You know, it's probably nice and warm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was sitting in the in the warm truck. Yeah, and uh, I think Dallas is next to me taking a nap. That didn't help. You know, he's napping. Oh. I'm not. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so, you, you know, your dog, like, I, I, I'm, I think it's something I wish we asked like every guest and we've asked a few, but like, what's like, if you're, you know, you, you probably have been around a lot of like casual dog owners, people that just own a dog, you know? And I feel like 90% of dog owners are like, not, you know, they're like, I'm not sure how to like be a dog owner. And I've been, and I was been one of those my most of my life until I started working all day, every day with dogs. And you just really get a good idea of what's going on in their brains. Yeah. But like, you know, what's like an advice that you would give to like a casual dog owner, you know, something that you may have learned working with dogs for as many years and as many thousands of hours as you probably have. Like, what's uh, like, a, you know, something that you'd be like, you know, this is something to keep in mind, you know. Yeah, just like, just like, because it's never the dog. There's no bad dog. There's not a bad dog. There's just bad training, or there's bad circumstances or environment for the dog. So 
Like if there's a problem, to so just break it down into steps. And then some things are worth trying to train. Some things are just worth the control. So I guess, yeah, don't don't try to overtrain. That would be the most basic thing, right? Like, yeah, it's definitely uh, the sled dog adage that I hear out of so many mushers' mouths. Is it's uh, I think it originally from uh, one of the you know OG mushers. I, I can't remember who, but it's never the dog's fault. You know, like even if it looks like on every other way that it's it's it was like you you know. Well, you, they were in that situation. You could have seen that situation coming. You know, right, whatever yeah, it is they yeah. did that was wrong or whatever. It was, so it could have been, it, you know, it's it's never on them. It's always on. No, it's, yeah, it's not. It's, uh, the, some kind of external. It's usually on you. You know, it's, it's, it's all, Yeah, it's always, yeah, always. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's good. That's good advice. And yeah. what what's like, uh, let's highlight some dogs, like. Talk to, I know that, you know, once we get mushers going on dogs, you could just kill the next 26 minutes of just talking yeah, about I got each a whole, of your dogs. I got a whole bunch of characters on my team. Uh, speaking of dogs, go away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of characters. Like, they're all, they all grew up together, right? So, there's a lot of siblings in my team. There's a lot of, like, half siblings and stuff like that so the synergy is really there like i really like the fact that they are a team really at the end of the day like that's what they are like it's not going to be my best 16 that i'll bring it's just going to be my best 16 that work the best together so uh yeah there's like i really like my lead dogs i i don't really run any other dogs in lead like i have a ton of other leaders that i'll run other teams with but normally if my lead dogs are in the team they they just want to run leads too so they just that's all they'll do mako and drodo and my lead dogs mako and drodo yeah yeah are they like i've seen this really hilarious video from rob cook and it was this is like imprinted in my head from like two three years ago of him taking a video of his dog team and he took like his perennial leader, like his always trusty lead dog that he never takes out of lead. And he put the dog in wheel and they hadn't, they hadn't run at all yet. So they're in the yard. So the stoke is high. The dogs are all barking and screaming. The team wouldn't leave. He goes down like the whole like line, you know, the lead dogs that replaced this dog, are doing fine. They're doing every, every dog's doing just fine. And they go back all the way down the line of a 16 dog team to the wheel dog. And it's just this one dog that's like never been taken out of lead. And he's just the only dog Sass. that's just like looking down, like won't even like look Rob in the eye. Like, dude, what the fuck, dude? I'm a fucking lead dog. What are you doing? What are you putting me down here back here? You know, and it was like the most hilarious, like just so dramatic. And like, and he has Siberian Huskies, which like, I I don't I've never worked with like the working Siberian Husky, but I I know like the casual Siberian has just got such added like like an extra bit of attitude and like they're they're very funny um, sass you know and yeah. so that's just like that kind of embodied that a little bit but that was just one of the most hilarious images that comes to mind so I'm curious like if you ever take your dogs your uh, Mako Grodo Grodo 
if you take them out, I mean, take them out of lead, are they like, yo, like, are they kind of giving you a little bit of like, yo, man? I, I've threatened Mako with it before. I've never done it with Mako. Uh, Grotto's run point for me a couple times, just like on a smaller team, if I really need some extra power, because he goes absolutely ballistic if you take him out of lead, like he'll. Oh, really? Yeah, he, yeah, he just, he'll go from a nice trotter, canter, just like, just won't stop driving. He's furious. He's trying to stretch the rope to get back up there. <laughs> and yeah. point, Brennan, you know what running point is? Running point? I don't know what running point is. Connor. So it's your dog just behind your lead dog. I call it point. Some people call it swing. But, yeah, so it's right right behind your lead dog is your point dog. Okay. Yeah, if you put him back there, you can only do it with uh, – the right leader in front because they'll just stop. They'll lay down. If <laughs> Grotto's behind them, he's pretty intense the, guy. So. Oh, the lead dogs will be like, I, I don't want to yeah, just Yeah, I only have like one or two yeah. dogs that will run in front of Grotto. Yeah, it's good. I, you know, my understanding, it was like if you ever are testing lead dogs, it's good to have like, you're like, I don't know if this dog is a good lead dog. I, they've got very limited experience. They maybe haven't done this particular run or whatever. And you're like, but I think they'll do good, but I'm not sure. Then you, it's like, I always, for me, I always would put like the super experienced leaders right behind them so that if they do make a wrong turn or hesitate or whatever, and they kind of look back and you see these guys confidently going one way or whatever, they're like, oh, okay. You know, it's just like a little, like, you know, you don't want, four dogs hesitating in the front of the team no yeah it makes two a huge okay. difference and yeah and that's like, why i really like good swing dogs and point dogs too right that aren't going to take that command on their own they're going to follow the leader's command into it and i find that really puts your leaders at ease new right. or new or old leaders right yeah and and you know like another another great video is amanda Otto. she was running some dogs recently and no, no necklines and said G, you know, and every single dog, like, you know, the gang lines like straight ahead. And, and so, but the, the gang line didn't really move, but every single dog just went, you know, just straight to the right. They yeah. all like, no one waited for like, where are we going? They all heard G they've all been in lead. Yeah. Maybe not everybody's a great leader, but, but they, they all, they know what, yeah, they know what they're doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's good to like, you know, it's interesting. Like, this is one of those philosophies that I don't, I, I, I've seen like a lot of people that just are, they have these dogs that are comfortable running all of the Iditarod and lead if, you know, and they don't mentally, like, it doesn't, the mental wear of lead, like for certain lead dogs, if you put them in lead, they're like, wow, that was really stimulating. Like I've been in lead all day today. Like, I wouldn't mind stepping back and, like, just chilling out in the middle of the team maybe tomorrow. Other dogs have that ego of, like, yo, if you take me out of lead, I'm going to be pissed. You know, yeah. and it, but there's, like, certain <laughs> mushers that love to have those dogs. Like, don't fix it if it ain't broke. Like, put keep the dog that's crushing it in lead up in lead. And others are, like, we want to balance out. I want to save my great, incredible yeah. leaders for the end of the race. You know, it's, like, what, I don't you know. It's oh, just I hear so about nuanced. it a lot. I hear about it a lot, right? Oh, you got them up there again, eh? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like them. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> and I got others. Yeah, go ahead. It sounds like you 
it sounds like you've tried to not put them in lead and it doesn't really, it doesn't, what you're describing doesn't sound like something you want to deal for, for too, too long of a run, you know? Yeah. Like if I, if I'm running my other leaders, I, I'll just leave them at home and I'll run them on a separate team. That's what I really like about me doing all the miles too, right? Like I don't have an A and a B team and just have whatever I'm kind of feeling I can put together and run it for whatever purposes I need to build that team that way for. So, but yeah, because it's really nice having them up there and lead. So it sounds like you, if specifically to your two leaders, it sounds like y'all, you have backups, you know, or you at least have been training other dogs to the point where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And like I run Grotto single for races before and I run Mako single lead for races before as well. And they will work with other combinations of dogs up there, right? Like, uh, say we hit, like, heavy snow and snow drifts and stuff. Like, Mako's a little tiny female. She doesn't do well up there. So she just comes, hops in the bag, and Grodo just plows through it all. He absolutely loves snow drifts. Hops in the bag? Your dog just comes into the side? Yeah, Mako, Mako will ride in the bag, right? Instead of, like, me having her up there and getting beat up in the team or bounced around through the big heavy stuff, because she's my smallest dog, right? Other than my real dogs, they're about the same size. But, yeah, I just hop her in the bag there better as we go. She's real small. So. Nice. Nice. So in terms of your training right now, um, what kind of runs are you on? What, uh, what, like, what, and are you on you a sled at? or are you on a snow machine or an ATV? Once this interview is done, I'm going to go get on my sled. We got a big dumping last night. So uh, I did my last run in the truck. Yeah, I did the last run in the truck last night. I had to put it in four by four. And I was just like, yep, this is it. Goodbye, little truck. You made it through the season. You're going to sleep for the winter. No, probably not. I'll still use it around. But, yeah, yeah, we're on sleds now as of today. So I'll probably be packing up here and heading out on the trail for the night. Oh, nice. a, little, a couple couple runs maybe, a little mini-series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, uh, that's where I train, like my fall training kind of things, a little – tighter of a loop i don't really get out onto the trail network so now i'm just like yeah let's go or just are you going to be doing it, is it with like a 10 a 10 or 12 dog team and then you take them on this and then you take the other 10 or 12 dog team on a different one another day or yeah yeah so i would just come back redress regroup put away grab and go again Damn. Yeah. Are you gonna do, do you like get a nap in there maybe? Or oh yeah, just... tons of naps. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I nap all the time, right? Like, yeah. yeah. I'll be up imagine. all night long, but like I, I'll nap when the sun comes up, do a little bit of work during the day, have another little nap, wake up, do the night shift. Have a that is something I've noticed that you know mushers are you know when you i remember we'd show up to race with jeff and he'd be like yeah it'll be like 20 minutes until the veterinarians can go and check your team then he'd just be like boom 15 minutes boom yeah and and then ready right off yeah when it's like nighttime and you know what i mean like everybody else goes to that's when i can't sleep right that's when i'm like oh i got a million things to do how how am i supposed to lay down and commit 10 hours Mm -hmm. to sleep right now 
So when you move, when you change to a sled, like, are you, I mean, I'm sure you're just like elated, you know, excited. And then, you know, do you think the dog, the dogs clearly there's a vibe change too, I bet, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I I got these little training carts. Like I got some carts that are super cool and fun. I know the dogs like those, but I hate training on a quad can't stand it and i don't think the dogs like it either yeah my thumb so being in the truck oh my god it's been so nice that was the best 300 dollars i ever spent so a 300 dollars truck dude that's a yeah, winner right you there can't, you can't get a quad like you look at any old beat up quad that you want to get they're like 2800 bucks or you know but you can get an old truck that the transmission's blown, but it only got first or second gear. But that's just fine. I don't need anything more than that. Nice. What do you? What, what, I know you're jamming to some music in there, dude. What are you, what are you oh, listening yeah. to? There's like a big span of like everything, right? Like there'll be Johnny Cash on there, and then it'll be like some Wu Tang Clan or Biggie Smalls, and then with some Mountainhead, right? And then you know, just a good mix of everything in there and then yeah some old rock some country too right uh, just yeah but po- audiobooks a lot of audiobooks too uh-huh. crush audiobooks like stephen king horror books and stuff right keeps me awake and on my toes out there like really quick <laughs> in the corners <laughs> yeah you're like sitting looking around like Shit, what's around that what is around that corner uh, yes yeah yeah, that's Stephen King. I would think um, with, Matt, with the vibe of Stephen King, I feel like would match well with Mushing Through the Night. Yeah, so, but yeah, in the truck, it's awesome for that. You got speakers, you got heat, you got windshields, you got windshield wipers. Like, side-by-sides don't come with that. I was looking at pricing them out, too. That's crazy, dude. Spend all that money, you don't even get a windshield, like. <laughs> dude honestly you're like preaching right now dude this is like you're making some really good points and i feel kind of yeah i guess like you, you have some super and a half foot bed for fourteen thousand, and you spend 1400 and you get eight foot bed right yeah i guess you do have the like super you do need like these incredibly wide trails to be able to put well, like a the truck quarter ton right like those little small trucks like they're not much wider than an atv like in the side, right? Like, oh uh, yeah, yeah. Like it's a little tiny truck. Like yeah, it's like tall. Like it's like five feet tall or like five and a half oh, feet yeah, tall. Oh like, yeah, like just little tiny. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> those are yeah. I feel like like when I go to Central and South America, like those are the trucks. Yeah, that's I, what I feel like time, I'm in know? the jungle. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's those funny. things do anything in first year. You know the 450. You've done that one time, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Last year. And then outside of that, like what, how long have you gone? I'm thinking about the Iditarod. I'm thinking about a thousand miles. We talked about earlier how you've never been in a race without a handler. So I'm just kind of like thinking about all of that, like um, where, where your head's at as it relates to, you know, all of that, you know? Oh, sorry. The Percy. The Percy, you don't get a handler in the Percy, but that's a short, okay. that's a, that's a shorter race, right? Um, yeah, like so, four fifty is like the furthest I've done, uh, and then I got the Yukon Quest 
200, a Yukon Quest 300, a uh, couple Caledonia Classic 200s that are race in BC, and then a Canadian Challenge. So I don't know. I think like the main thing for me was, and I've talked to a lot of other mushers that have kind of confirmed this, is like that 300 mile mark. Once you're getting past that 300 mile mark, like you kind of see the dogs hit their, we'll say second wind, right? And uh, you kind of hit a second wind, I, I'm i hoping too. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I like, so like my headlamp died in that 450 and like I totally crashed mentally. Like I was really beating myself up. I was upset about it, sitting there waiting for daylight. I was just distraught. And then I was like, hold on, wait. Like, I was out here with my dogs. Like we're still just having fun, right? Like, you just got in your head a little bit too much through there. You know, we came out of it and yeah, it was, it was nice to kind of see that and feel that and be like, okay. So yeah, you, you did get lost in it and you got, you got all upset and you know, you realized it and got happy again and kept moving. So, right. And uh, I think that was like some of the most important training I could do in myself mentally because the dogs are great. I'm always the weakest link out there. So I just need to make sure that I'm in check in order to keep them in check. Right. Nice. Yeah. The, uh, emotional aspect, I think from, I mean, I don't know. I thought from my perspective and I think from anyone's, you're just so sensitive to like adversity after you get, um, you know, that sleep deprivation. And of course, you know, the, I guess cold plays a role, but really it's ultimately that sleep deprivation and you just can spiral into like a negative headspace yeah, pretty yeah, easily. That's, that's where I went. Right. I'm just like, Oh, my headlamps are out. Like I can't, I don't, don't know how to fix these electronics. <laughs> I was like, right. It's like the only thing I can do is sit here and wait until daylight and then continue on. And I was like, man, I was just so upset. I was like, this is out of my control. Like, why? Why? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's out of your control. Just calm down. <laughs> how have how has your experience been or what has your experience been with sleep deprivation in some of those longer? I like you do like it does affect you definitely, right? Like, you know, things are really hard, but if you have a system where you're super organized and you know where everything is and it's not, you're never going to have to look for something. It's like just second nature that, you know, where everything is in that sled bag, you know, where everything is in your drop bag bag. Like I find that that really helps. Uh, and then, yeah, the audio books, I like listening to the audio books kind of gets me into a story and keeps my brain thinking instead of just like lulling off into nonsense land right so uh so you don't have you don't have you have you had hallucinations out there and stuff or not yeah, so much yeah yeah oh yeah yeah i've had hallucinations there and then uh growing up in my 20s i worked in the oil field doing services and stuff like that so sleep deprivation was like huge in that job insanely long shifts and stuff like that and so i've always kind of been living in that world of sleep deprivation and snow removal and stuff like that you're always up during the night and i'm always up during the night so yeah and then like you get used to the hallucinations i think they might catch you off guard when they first start maybe but then after that you just know they're hallucinations right you gotta sleep though sleep's key sleep's key i'm trying to sleep 
it's such as it's just as important as taking care of the dogs. You know, I, yeah, I get sucked up into the social scene of these races sometimes when I was participating in them, and and uh, you know, I'm like, oh hey, what's up? Yeah, I it's find that interesting you. too, right? You know, you get oh, yeah. Checkpoint. Everyone's all chatty and there's food and coffee. Right. And oh, Someone's like chatty. serving me a burger and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if you know, but I'm actually one of the mushers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm in the race. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty tough trail and they're looking at me like, yeah, I don't really, I don't, who are you again? You know, and, and well, you get I'm the like, burger yeah. for free, right? You got it, man. <laughs> you get the burger for free. Those burgers get expensive out in those parts. <laughs> that's true that is true yeah yeah so and so when you got to, when you yeah. did the 450 I'll, i've never done a race that's you know in that that this is kind of unique there's only a couple of them um you know the Co- the kobuck being another one uh and i yeah. believe the yukon quest alaska might have something similar and then and, uh hudson bay quest was like a 400 or a 452 that's like east east coast canada yeah, central, east, yeah, Hudson Bay Lowland. Crazy. Yeah. That's a whole scene that I'm completely yeah. unaware of, and you just rocked my world with that stat. Okay, cool. Yeah. We'll yeah. Bookmark that. But, yeah. uh, like, you, did you see that, like, shift in your dogs? Like, it's not like the dogs know the distance of the race, you know? Like, did you see the shift of that 300-mile? Some people, it might happen at mile 400. Some people might happen at mile 250, whatever. But like that yeah. change in the second wind and the metabolism change and the, you know, just like the whole rhythm of everything shift from uh, at that distance. Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, I definitely did. Uh, I'm not sure exactly like when abouts it happened. Like we left Pelly and had like a really long, sloggy, slow, soft run. And like there's not many dog teams that like that kind of stuff, especially when it was hot. I could, I was like, oh, but then like, shoo saw them just go right up from there right as soon as it got cold again i really saw them just pick up and their appetite was beautiful the whole race so i didn't notice anything different about that but yeah i just saw them settle into this kind of nice pace and rhythm of the camp and the heat and the run and it was yeah i really like i kind of wish we had we were keeping going there but happy enough to stay in Dawson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that wasn't, wasn't the worst thing. No. Uh, and so like when you have those long soft trails, heat, heat of the day, it's in the twenties or thirties or whatever, you know, do you, my, do you think that the dogs are like, they're self-regulating, you know, they're not like, if you, if you went like mile zero and, and you started the race, maybe they're not doing the self-regulating that much. Cause they're, very well rested and way too stoked but you get in the middle of the race you get these warm runs on a soft trail and yeah it's your per mile it's more difficult for your dogs that's yeah. like undeniable but they are also kind of turning down the rpms a little bit yeah like we can't sustain 5,000 rpms for 50 miles so why don't we just except the fact that we're going six miles an hour and just move along. And if it takes an extra hour or two, whatever, you know, is yeah. that kind of what you, your experience is? Yeah. I think that's, I think it's nature. I think that's the way anything's going to go and do it. Right. And that's what I can see from them. And I definitely just let them do their own thing. Like when we're in conditions like that, right. And like, you guys want to stop for a pee break? I don't know. You know, best. Sure. Stop for a pee break. Eat some snow, man. Like, 
you're the ones working. I'm good back here, but you guys need to stop and need some snow, right? So, yeah, I, I mean, just those, let, just give them. Yeah, their I wouldn't think that you're gonna want to like ask more of them. Like, do you ever really like call, like? I mean, call them call uh, up or whatever. Like, like maybe at the end, if maybe, but like, you know. Probably just kind of like be cool with, hey, if you guys need like a warm up hour at the beginning of the run, just like, all right, we'll just kind of warm up and you can yeah, take Yeah, like, I'll call them up somewhere like if we got to get out of an area or something like that. You know what I mean? I can see the weather's picking up or something and it's like, guys, we got five miles left up in this high stuff. Let's just get through it and get the hell out of here <laughs> before it turns into three hours of getting out of here, right? So. Yeah, in situations like that, I will. But yeah, and not really in racing ever. No, no. In terms of either like visibility or how cold you've been in, just kind wind of curious. Is, wind is always the worst, in my opinion. Yeah, I've definitely seen lots of like harsh conditions and stuff up here. Uh, some of the craziest stuff I've seen probably was back on Great Slave Lake, though. Like that place is just such a big piece of water and open piece of ice and it can really get really get windy out there and blizzardy and there's not any sort of landmarks or anything like that so definitely seeing crazy stuff like that seeing like some pretty extremes cold but like seeing some cool stuff out on great slave lake like there's all sorts of harsh conditions and stuff but sometimes you just run across some stuff that's like wildly beautiful out there and I was fur enough from shore that I couldn't see like the tree line or nothing like that. And the wind had swept most of the snow off the ice. So it was just like a sheet of black ice and the sky was black, but like the Northern lights were out really, really strong and they're reflecting off the ice. And so I couldn't really tell the difference between the ice and the sky. And it just looked like the dogs were running through. Yeah. It was, it was really disorientating. You almost wanted to fall off your sled. You could, it was, it was really wild. That was crazier than any sort of hallucination or sleep deprivation that you could get. It's like natural hallucinating without the drugs or the sleep deprivation needed. (laughs) Yeah. It was like the bottom dropped out. It was like the bottom dropped out of the world. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I had a, a somewhat similar but different experience, but where you're just like in a ping pong ball, and I was out on you know uh, Lake Louise, and it was just like uh, the, it was just white, but it wasn't like blowing. It was just calm and white everywhere, yeah, and clouds, and it's like it just looked like we were inside of a ping pong ball, and there was like no difference between the horizon line there was no you know it's just white everywhere and you're like where what is going and i was sleep deprived, sleep that yeah. primed as well so it's like that yeah that sounds sick that being mushing on glare ice like sometimes it's a shit show but most of the time if you got a good team and in the right situation it's not it's going well and it's like a super crazy experience to be like on ice yeah with your dog team like that it's like, yeah, it was, that's a special, you don't get to do that. The conditions aren't like that often. No, it's, it's like not like you'd ever go out searching for them or anything either. No. Right? It was just right time, right place and weirdness. And yeah. It was. Curious about what your race schedule is going into the season. Uh, I got the uh, Yukon Quest 450 again. So we're going to go back up to Dawson City from Whitehorse. 
and then the Iditarod. Nice. So cool. Okay. Yeah. So that was so be, you're 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 yeah. gonna be all your training is just kind of like long distance training. You're not gonna be going fast and doing anything quick. Um. So that dude, the Brayburn, by the way, the I don't know that restaurant, that lodge there, or whatever. The food was. Yeah. I remember having just like a cinnabon the size yeah. of my double the size of my face. Yeah, it's it's really nice. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's I'm excited for you. Like I, I would, you know, that would be just as much of a motivator to be in that race. Oh yeah, it it's, just, well, yeah, it's one of like the yeah, yeah, like the main. Nice. And, uh, and then I guess the last thing I was curious, like, what's where's your head at as you uh like are getting ready to think about being in that Iditarod, like. Are you, you're kind of just trying to survive it? And are you like, do you have like a certain um, expectation or anything like that? Or are you just like, I just want to do it and experience it and have a fun time? Yeah, I just want to do it like the best way that I possibly can. And right now my head's at just like trying to make sure I stay on top of all the paperwork side of it and everything that needs to have all my ducks in a row in a row because the dogs are i'm happy with where the dogs are at that's something i do every year is train a dog team right don't run the iditarod every year though so i really need to make sure i got all that planned out and drop bags planned out and all that kind of stuff so that's like nice yeah my main thinking about it right now uh sean did you have anything else you wanted to ask nah man i think i think we've taken up uh, a lot plenty of your time a little this is the second time we've done this so i'm really appreciate your patience man and uh and i'm looking forward to yeah holler when you're in anchorage for the the rookie meeting or something we'll grab i'll buy you a beer oh and, perfect uh, perfect yeah yeah that's, that's where i live is, is so um thank you oh, so much yeah. for coming and hanging out and and uh, i hope you enjoy your your overnight or tonight yeah yeah well, thank you guys for having me, and thank you for doing this. This stuff's a blast, right? I'm probably going to download one of your episodes now to go out and listen to. So. <laughs> Heck yeah, we appreciate nice. the support. Yep, yep. Thanks, man. Yeah, no worries. Thank you, guys.